for this week's episode of Let's Chat Ethics. I'm your co-host, Ariana. And I'm your other co-host, Amanda. And this week, we're joined by the incredible Toju Duke. Toju is a program manager at Google, where she leads on various responsible AI programs across Google's products and research teams, with a primary focus on large-scale models. She's also the founder of Diverse AI, which Amanda and I are really, really excited to be a part of and really grateful to be able to get this opportunity to work with Toju. So in this episode, you'll hear more about why Toju founded Diverse AI and what it means for the wider AI ecosystem and why it's really important. And also Toju is an author, which is really, really exciting because her book is coming out this year and it's called Building Responsible AI Algorithms. Uh, So we're really excited to be able to read that and hear more about that in this episode. Um, And in this episode, you're going to just hear a bit more about why responsible AI is important to Toju and her work itself at Google. And like I said, the wider ecosystem of AI and ethics. So we hope you enjoy this episode and we were really grateful to have Toju on. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Toju, for our chat I guess on responsible AI um, the work you've been doing and to hear about I guess your new venture of diverse AI which we're excited to talk about so I think our first general question um, that we wanted to ask and get your input on is what do you see as responsible AI and what does that mean to you cool and thank you both for having me on your on your podcast um I always love talking about responsible AI because it's really important to human lives, not just today, but in the future. Um, And, you know, to me, responsible AI just basically means deploying AI and ML models and applications in a responsible manner where it doesn't harm users, it doesn't harm society, um, and instead it propagates more benefits than societal harm. Cool. And what inspired you to work in uh, responsible AI? Um, it's a very long story, but I'm going to cut it really, really short. Um, I think, you know, the moment I came across AI, I loved it. I fell in love with, fell in love with a machine. No, I'm joking. I didn't fall in love with a machine, but I really loved how AI works. <laughs> um, and I, you know, how, how you can, you can feed it data and it just comes up with intelligent output. Right. I just found it a very interesting programming, um, system. Uh, and in my love journey with AI, um, I then realized that it's, it's actually not very good, right? It's a very bad evil child sometimes, and it can be very toxic. And it can propagate harm and discrimination against people. And I, I got really passionate about it. I was like, what sort of world are we gonna, am I going to leave my children to or the future generations to come? Um, if we cannot regulate these things and not just regulate them, but um, propagate them in a more responsible manner, making sure that, you know, they're fine-tuned for safety and they, they, they release safe outputs, regardless of the application that we're talking about or the AI modality. Um, and I just decided to spread more awareness about it, right? It's like, you know, if you guys are getting excited about the work that you're doing and about the fact that you're able to build multimodal systems and, and get, you know, ML models to convert text to pictures, for instance, amazing breakthroughs and amazing groundbreaking stuff um just remember that the output could be terrible right and it could be misleading to a user and it could actually lead to terrible things um so that's that's that was really my angle and it's been what almost three years in the field and i absolutely love it 
um, it's interesting because it just brings the societal elements of things and, and the human elements into technology, which makes it really interesting. So we're not just talking about programming and about AI and ML and, you know, everything technical, but we're thinking about people, humans that are going to use and that are currently using these, these um, models and products and applications and the impact it actually has on them and in society at large. So I think it's a very good, interesting intersection. I think I've already convinced you how, how excited I am about the field and the topic. And it keeps on evolving every day, right? We see the likes of ChatGPT and, you know, ChatGPT Bing, and you can see how critical it is to think about AI in a more responsible manner because of how the different outputs that these things bring and, and different um, results that they, that they could tend to propagate, especially when you didn't train them that way. Yeah, I'm actually super curious about the the long story. So I also have a weird kind of strange meandering way in which I ended up in in the field myself that, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I'm going to do computer science, but what, <laughs> I remember I applied um after high school for chemistry, fashion design, Russian literature, <laughs> like it was all over the place. And then I decided, yeah, okay, I'll do computer science I'm not sure where I'm going with this um and eventually I did a little bit of research I started my PhD in NLP and it was after the first year of my PhD that I um decided that oh actually I can do this like cool AI research and also think about like my broader interests like I don't know in feminist philosophy and all of that so um I think it's very interesting I think a lot of people that are in this kind of um general area have not got into it directly in the way that I don't know I guess like an accountant or something might <laughs> yeah I, I, I always think that whenever people ask me what I do or like how we got into the field um and anyone I ask like you're saying in this field it's not the traditional um way and that's something um I was talking to my old philosophy professor about actually about how at university I only really saw people that went into like traditional roles you know for example study medicine be a doctor study law be a lawyer study finance and economics because work in finance and I, and then I felt that there was never really um well even you know six seven years ago there wasn't really role models of people doing different career paths into um and kind of overlapping their their interests like you were saying having like the human element of <laughs> of something technical as well so yeah it's it's nice to hear another story of someone who's <laughs> who's been passionate about it and gone into it um yeah the way you have I'm interested if you can speak on it um the your role at Google as um a responsible AI manager can you talk about what that actually involves maybe on like mm -hmm. a high level for people who would want to understand like maybe what the day-to-day -day yeah, involves yeah um and just to add to your last point before i go into this one is like i'm hoping that the future will be slightly different and we can have a clear-cut path into responsible ai because it's a very critical field but it's new and nascent right and that's mm -hmm. why a lot of people's path has been meandering right and you know i studied sociology in my my first degree thought it was absolutely a waste of time but now it's it's beneficial to to, to the way i tackle it but yeah i think i think i'm hoping that you know in the future we can have a clear-off part two to responsible AI and people can decide to take a responsible AI module right, as part of the university and just go into the field directly. Yeah. And then it just shows the, the critical nature of it and how, how universities and governments and people are prioritising the field. 
Um, mm-hmm. I agree. I think this, I think a lot of I think a lot more universities yeah, will have that yeah. now actually because I think they are opening it up. Yeah, I would have loved that as as an undergrad to have. I remember we had some course about like the copyrights mm. to our code and things like that, but we never talked about mm. the yeah the ethical or responsible side of um the things that we were basically learning to to build and learning to come up with. Mm-hmm. Even. So yeah, I'm definitely with you on this one. Yeah, cool. Um, and then to your question. So I, I think, you know, my, my I'm a program manager at Google. So um, basically program managing different projects or coming up with different ideas of projects. Um, one thing I'm really passionate about and it's part of my job is just making sure that the research work, because I'm part of the research team, so making sure that the research work that we're doing and the learnings that we have is being scaled across the company, especially to the product team, so developing products responsible AI so like some of the things I have done um, when I started the role was like develop or start a, a technical um, responsible AI tech talks and we have different people from within the company and outside the company come to talk about their work and it just sparks a lot of interest and thought process on the problems that we that we face and potential solutions of, on ways to mitigate these risks and harms across the company so I think it's a good thing um, it's been going on for two and a half years now it kind of kicked off during COVID but it's, it's virtual so it makes it so much easier and, you know the, the recordings are there on the website and people can access it and, and look at the slides um, and then you know it's just basically project managing different projects um, making sure we start we start a good project and, and complete it and managing the process of, of, of it and working with different stakeholders and people across the company and um, also making sure that we communicate quite clearly what we're doing, both internally and externally. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Most of the work is being done by researchers, um, but we still have other roles that are critical towards the success of the work that we're doing in Google and not just in Google, but across the world on the field. Yeah, that's... No, I was just going to say that's really, really cool. I think that's a... A great way to um raise awareness i think having those kind of webinars um yeah they're super important super important i think we had the same at our company we did an internal series um yeah i ran an internal series on AI ethics as well and it did spark a lot of interest across the company um yeah in areas where people weren't necessarily thinking about that before so i think those are really good initiatives to raise awareness for sure it's interesting that you both have that in, in common, the need to raise awareness, I guess, yeah, both inside and outside the company. Um, it's a good mutual thing. I think probably in academia we could use something like that as well, <laughs> uh, particularly in, in, in computer science. I think it's obviously now becoming more of a hot topic, but I think, I don't know, you can even see, at least in my field, a lot of the time, you know, we... So Twitter is, is really big in for academics, I think. Um, and you always have these sort of Twitter battles or rants between the different, like, pro or against, not against ethics, but, like, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would be, I guess, interested in knowing, even from both of you, actually, how, like, how much... Did you did you find uh, that the awareness that you raised within the company uh, made a big difference to maybe the research projects or something? And yeah, as much as uh, you're able to see. Yeah, it's it's hard for me to measure um, at this stage, but I think one good way of measuring success is to say, look, I created an an, an announce group 
and it, it's grown by over five times, you know, 5x since I started it, right? So especially with the most recent innovations and madness happening in the AI field, people are getting more and more interested. And yes, we get a lot of questions from people about it. So I think in general, people people are gravitating a little bit more towards responsible AI. People are paying more attention to AI in the first place, right, and the field, especially people who are not working in the field. And then when they think about it, they think about they're most times they're aware. It may be on a very, very elementary level, but they are aware that there are issues. And with time, it kind of like... Um, make sure we we spread the, spread the words. Um, we also have um, um, the AI you know Google's AI principles, and we have a team that that is like a governance team that runs that. Um, so like making sure that people are aware of the AI principles, which is really around responsible AI and deploying AI responsibly. And then the work that we do in our in our teams is a lot of tools and infrastructure and just learnings, right? Publications on on the field. So making sure that people are aware of these things as well and they know how to use them. Yeah, but yeah, basically um, internally at Fujitsu as well, I think there's we do a lot of initiatives to raise awareness on the work that we've done anyway in responsible AI or AI ethics. Because as you can imagine, it's such a large company that so, like any large company, lots of efforts of research and work get, can be done in silos sometimes. Um, so yeah, we've done lots of initiatives to raise awareness and um you know, not just with AI ethics, but other areas that um, researchers are working on. And yeah, there's been lots of great traction, I think, internally for wanting to know, you know, how we can implement this with customers or, um, you know, with the projects that people are working in. So yeah, I do think it's had um, a massive impact on um, how people maybe view the work they're doing in AI that they might not have thought about before, which... And I've just noticed for myself that more and more people reach out now asking, internally asking questions about wanting to learn about what is AI ethics or how can it impact their customer or how can it impact, yeah, what they're doing on a day to day. And um, yeah, so I think I'm sure that's the case in a lot of large organisations as well as uh, even though responsible AI, when you work in it, you feel like everyone knows about it, but actually not everyone not everyone is still completely understands what it means or or how to maybe even utilize it in their day to day um even just outside that's what i found having conversations with smaller organizations they don't always know where to start actually yeah 100% um i'm sometimes concerned about the smes and the startups like i don't know how much they how seriously they take responsibility as opposed to the big tech because the big tech uh are put on their toes, right? You know, you've got you've got press, um, and the tech journalists and people always like shouting down and shooting them down, right? And they've been always being very critical, um, because they do have, <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of clouds and um, real estate in the field, on these things. But so they're being held accountable, which is which is right. But then with the SMEs and the startups. I feel like with startups, it's always around profit making and it, it depends on the individual as opposed to the ethos of the organization to think about, you know, deploying these things ethically or responsibly. Um, I could be wrong, but that's, that's, my, that's my take on it. And even when you think about regulation, like, you know, the, the EU AI Act that is, that is coming up soon, they're not going to go chasing down the smaller companies, right? Um, it's still going to be big tech. 
Um, but we need to be concerned about the smaller companies because they, they're still building applications and they're still being deployed across the world and they're still being uh, adopted by lots of users as well. It might not be as many, as much in volume as big tech, but it's still being out there, right? And and I see that they're quite quick to pick up on the APIs that are available. You know, like ChatGPT has so many dozen of applications that have been built off the back of it. Um, and I don't know how much people are thinking about the output of these things, right? Because everyone is thinking about making profit and, and, and just making a business out of it. But I think it's important for even the SMEs and the startups to think a bit more critically about responsible AI and res the responsibility of these products, especially if they're using large models. Yeah, I was thinking um, there was an article on Time magazine last week or a couple of weeks ago about the... Um, like OpenAI had outsourced the content moderation for the reinforcement learning. They hired people in, uh, I think it was in India and maybe Kenya, I want to say. Um, and yeah, the article was kind of making a, a big fuss, I guess, about the fact that they had obviously paid, they had paid minimum wage for the countries, but um, obviously for Europeans or uh, Americans that, you know, it was ridiculous and uh, we were talking about it at work and I said like yeah of course I it's not that I think it's okay but it's not that different from outsourcing any other kind of labor uh, as in not that I think it's ethical but it's expected from a for-profit company and I could see that for example uh, big companies like OpenAI or Google might be able to afford to pay um, Americans but probably SMEs are much more um likely to want to outsource even more of this kind of um, labor. And I think that's also one aspect of um, responsible AI, I guess, would be to um, build AI also responsibly, I guess. Um, I'm not sure if... Um, so, yeah, I think you're right that uh, we should also be paying more attention to what, what SMEs are doing, because I think, uh, yeah, if we're going to put the larger companies under fire for this. I think it's also, um, yeah, I think it's, it's too easy to, to forget that the, I think also because there's so, like we tend to think of AI as mostly sort of like the big five companies or something like that, when the reality is that, yes, they're the biggest five, but yeah, there are so many small companies that are either using um, access to the products or that in reality you're a lot of us are interacting with AI through smaller companies as well and also that like the big companies started as small companies exactly yeah exactly but you, you, you do bring up a very important point there that's that's a different angle right is you know the crowd the, the crowd um workers and the annotators many times they're paid beyond um beneath minimum wage or at minimum wage. But even beyond that, right, um, when you think about it, they're um, exposed to a lot of toxic content and it's thinking about the impacts of that toxicity that they're interacting with on a daily basis on their mental health and their well-being. Um, and in my book, I, I, I have written a book, it's going to be out in a few, in a few months' time, and it's, it's, it's called Building Responsible AI Algorithms. Yeah. And one of the things I touched about was humans, humans in the loop. This is where the crowd, crowd workers come into play. And there's some people, some researchers in Google that did a, a very interesting study of, um, it was around crowd worker diversity and disagreement. Um, so like how do black Americans compared to people from the LGBTQ plus, plus communities 
um, view content when they're moderating it and when they're when they're annotating it. Um, but beyond that is like just being aware of how much um, how much exposure to this to these toxic contents can have on them. And, and that study touched on it a little bit as well. Um, and these are like, again, we're not just thinking about users, but we're thinking about the people who are helping us build these products to be a bit more responsible. I'm not just thinking about the trust we're trying to have for organization, but being a bit more human and sensitive um, and aware of the impact it can have on everyone that interacts with this model, even the developers and the engineers that are building it and testing it for safety as well. Yeah, actually, um, a couple of weeks ago, I did, um, so I work in NLP, and we did a challenge, uh, like a shared task on um, misogyny detection, and I've worked on abusive data before, but it was towards chatbots, so even though at the time I found that upsetting, it was, you know, people insulting Alexa or something, it's like, okay, why, why are, like, how do people come up with this stuff? But then, um, yeah, for that project, I was um, looking at things that people had posted online. And I was so horrified. I was at some point crying in the office and my colleagues were like, just stop reading it. They're like, no, I need to do the error analysis for our system. But like, this is insane. And I can't, like, I was that upset looking at it for a couple of hours. I can only imagine if you spend day in, day out, just looking at this horrible, horrible content. It's upsetting. And also that you think that humanity is doomed <laughs> because who is posting this horrible stuff so i i really empathize with with your point of um yeah we need to also look after the the crowd workers and anybody who's working on on developing systems like this because it's really something yeah people i think uh, the problem is that a lot of people don't actually really get that or are aware of that um i think in just like yeah the hype around AI in general or any kind of system like chat GP3 that everyone's talking about now um if you don't necessarily work in the field um and you're just seeing this as something exciting and new to help you with like emails copywriting all these kind of exciting buzz things that I'm hearing people talking about how it's changing their work for the better um you're not going to necessarily even realize that this kind of work is going on behind the scenes because I think sometimes people see it as just this magic tool that comes out of nowhere because we're so, um, I guess, spoiled now with technology in a way. We have new technology coming all the time. Um, I think a lot of people don't necessarily understand the harms that go on behind the scenes like exactly this. And I think it's quite it's quite problematic, really, and really worrying because I don't, I don't really know what the answer is, but how do we get to a place where... Um, these people, like these workers are protected and they're getting paid correctly and their mental health is protected. Because um, it's not just isolated to this, is it? I've seen it's been all, well, all the big tech companies come under fire for that at some point, haven't they? Um, yeah, it's been, so it's made headlines quite a lot. So I, yeah, I just wonder how do we get to a place where that can, they can be protected really. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it will it, it will evolve with time. 
Um, I think major, you know, the main problem is, is similar to what Amanda said. You know, we, we have, we get cheap labor across different industries and this is just AI, right? Of course, yeah. The only difference now is that it's a bit more harmful because it affects your mental health, right? And your well-being. Um, so it go, it gives those scars that no one sees, right? So those are the things that, no, unlike in the manufacturing, you know, you can have a physical injury and you can take a company to court. You know, how does how does a crowd worker take um, a tech company to court if, if they're having you know, they're, they're having a mental health issue based on the kind of work that they're doing. But it is around cheap labor, labor right? Because you need a lot of people to annotate annotate the models um, and the data sets. Um, and that's why it's outsourced outside the main countries. It's always outsourced. India, the US is, is a bit more expensive, but we do have companies like Clickwalker in the US, you know, and all of that. Um, so I think if we, if we bring the annotation more in-house, and when I say in-house, within the Western countries, right, and not just outsource it to the global south or to other countries, then there, be, there might be a demand for more accountability on these companies. Um, but again, because it's such a, AI is a, it's not a new field, right, but, you know, it's gone through its winters and its springs and its summers, <laughs> um, and right now it's going through another, another, another spring, right? Um, so because it's had, it's had its hips and chills across, you know, over time, across history, um, I think it's not gotten the attention that it's needed to get until now. Um, and I think now it's getting the attention. And hopefully, let's let's hope that in the next five to ten years, for example, this conversation about card walkers and the impacts that annotating toxic content has on them will be different. So let's hope that, you know, regulation will pick it up as well. And companies will, will think a little bit more ethically. But there's always so much to think about with AI. There's so many issues and so many challenges and we don't really have the solutions to them. That, you know, the annotation piece is like the last thing on anyone's mind. No one is really thinking about them, apart from the people who interact with them and they think about them a bit more. So it's like, you know, how do we think about it as a whole to address all the different <clears throat> intersections and, and, and people and, and areas that are affected by AI um, and the deployment of AI. Yeah, yeah, I think that's why people always talk about this holistic approach to ethical, responsible, trusted AI, which I think is the only way, really, because like you said, it could, be, it could be easy to focus on just one area itself because there's a lot of challenges. And I don't think, um, yeah, anyone has necessarily a a beacon solution right now but it's nice to see that everyone is I say everyone there's a group of community that's growing and working on this and then wants to um you know make it safer for for everyone um I didn't I don't know I, did you want to say something Amanda I was just gonna say I think this is probably a good um moment to talk about something a bit more um, cheerful in one of the ways in which uh, I think we're trying to build responsible AI, which is diverse AI. <laughs> yes, I was going to say that as well. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, so um, Diverse AI is um, an organization that I just founded and I've got a co-founder, Steph Wright, who leads the Scottish AI aliens in, in Scotland. And um, it's just basically trying to address these problems we're talking about. How can we make AI a more diverse field because we know that one of the problems that affects um, AI and the issues we're talking about with, with harmful content and discrimination and bias and all of that 
is because there's le- there's very little diversity in the field, right? If we have more diverse groups of people building these systems, then of course it will be conducive for everyone and it will be representative of everyone in society. Um, so Diverse AI is a community interest organization, um, a membership organization with the whole aim to um, create a diverse community, um, support people who who come from underrepresented groups in the in in in, in the field and attracts new talent to the field. We do want to engage a lot with community, um, take the word of AI and educate people who will never have even thought about AI or who will never even have the opportunity to go through education. And it's not to educate them, to bring them into the field. You know, it's mainly to just make them aware, right, of AI, especially since it's a technology that is has infiltrated its way into everyone's lives right now. Um, as long as you're using for some form of technology, um, or some form of device, you are being interacting with AI. Um, and the goal is, you know, hopefully, the more we, we um, present AI to, to people from different communities, especially underrepresented groups, they will get attracted. And if it's their talent, if it's their passion, they can get into the field. And at the same time, we want to support people that are already in the field, you know, and give them a voice and let them be in a, in a community where they feel heard. Um, and um, yeah, just make um, the field of AI a bit more diverse and inclusive. Yeah, I think that's a very, very exciting uh, initiative. And I think it's really important and needed. I think this kind of communities and spaces are um, key when we're trying to tackle any of these challenges that you've mentioned. And like you said, we're all interacting with AI on a daily basis and without even necessarily being aware of it. So being able to make people even aware of the challenges, the, the problems that we're facing and how to overcome them, I think it's really important work. Do you have any um kind of uh maybe short term and long term aspirations for I know you've obviously mentioned why you've um it's important, but what are kind of if you can talk about it, I don't know <laughs> if you want to talk about it, um what are kind of the some of the things you would like to achieve in the short and long term with this? Um and how do you think that can happen? Yeah, just I think it's just basically having lots of activities, like having community type events, mm-hmm. um, having a membership database on our website, like a directory if anyone is looking for diverse talents in AI, either to speak at events or just to hire them, or just you know just wanting to engage a bit more with the community. There will be something there on the website for people to to see, um, and um, have a lot of educational activities and programs targeted at different um different target audiences so we should have something for people who are like job seekers maybe um Mm -hmm. people who are already in career but thinking to change career um thinking also of mentorship mentorship opportunities um for people as well and sponsorship opportunities and then the community engagement for me is a big piece right it's like you know how do we how do we engage with the travelers community for instance or you know, um, um, people from the BAME communities, um, how do we make AI a bit more accessible? It's like democratizing AI, right, um, within the UK. So it started off in the UK, but I mean, we're open, we're open worldwide. Anyone who has a passion to contribute to the space can join us, like Amanda, who's in Italy, and she's still part of the, part of the organization. So I think, I think, um, yeah, and then we want to have a lots of collaboration with, with organizations, sponsors and universities, and we're open to anything with the overall arching mission of making sure that, you know, we have more diverse talent and representative talent in the field, and we're supporting people that identify within these different identity groups. 
I think they're not really great goals. I always laugh, I think, when I see a, a panel of just a bunch of white men and I think, like, did you even try? So I um, organize a seminar every week at uh, my university and I, you know, take a lot of pride in the fact that we're always a very diverse group and I think it's not even hard. Like, I don't have to, like, yeah, when that's why I, it makes me laugh when I see those panels because I think you didn't even try (laughs) Um, but I think it would be really nice to have a resource where yeah you can I I think for both sides right whether you're looking for someone in AI or whether you are someone in AI to have uh, that community where you can yeah so I think it would be a really useful resource so maybe you can let our audience know um, if they want to get more involved how they can find you when is the official launch um, and how can they get more involved in general yeah yeah definitely um so the website is launching it should launch this week um so um it's it's called diverse-ai.org um and you can just join as a volunteer or as a member on the website once you get on um if you want to contact me um you can find me on my website um todraduke.com um, and there are lots of links there as well to like diverse AI and links to um, the book as well, right? Um, so if you're interested in like thinking a bit more responsibly and you work in ML and in the field, or even if you don't work in it, but you want to learn a bit more, definitely you can pre-order the book right now on Amazon or just wait for it to be to be released. Um, and we will have our social media handles once the website is launched. So everything is this week. So I think if you just do a search for diverseai.org or something, you'll be able to see a lot of things come up. We can put the links also in the, yes. um, uh, the podcast description. <laughs> Ooh, it's exciting. I'm very excited for the launch. excited to be part of it as well. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And thanks for both offering to be part of it. I just, I just want to see where it's going to go. But at the same time, I don't want to be inundated with, with it, right? And all the things that need to be done. So it's great to have Steph, who's been doing most of the operations and stuff like that. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and thank you for all of the, to, to use your face, <laughs> everything to chew on. <laughs> There's a lot of um, very, uh, I guess, compelling and thought-provoking is the word I was looking for. <laughs> yes. Um, information. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, we've loved having you on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I can never stop talking about responsibility. And if, if both of you are thinking about it, you can have a series of of these things right one day you can talk about fairness or one day transparency and and, and all of that so mm. yeah um i'm happy to join that sorry i don't know if this is going to be aired but you know i just had the thoughts and it's okay to yeah, this well. yeah um but yeah you can we can have actually just have a responsible ai series for like a couple of months and just dig deep into it like because i don't think enough conversations like this are being held and now we just only talk to cloud workers and not on the, on the general thing, but there's so many li- different nuances within it that we can, or even just looking at research papers and just opening up a research paper, right, and the findings in a particular research paper, like thinking about privacy and stuff. There's so much to it, and I'm happy to, like, you know, join you, or you can have that on your own as well, but that's just a thought. No, that would be really good. No, we actually. would love that. <laughs> yeah. You could be you could be our third host for a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I'm totally happy to have it. Just a good chat. We can well, do a responsible, yeah, I like that. Yeah. yeah. A responsible oh, AI series. That would be cute, actually. Mm-hmm. Cute is not the right word. It's just cute. <laughs> let's let's do it. Let's do it. We'll talk a lot about chat GPT and all the craziness and yeah, that's gonna be fun. Oh.
Oh my god, I love this. 